Today is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The government has failed to convince a judge to keep the Mar-a-Lago search affidavit sealed. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. If you are on board with that mission, help us subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating, share it with a friend. Let's get through that news of the cray together. Joining me, as always, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. Guys, happy Tuesday. What's going on? We made it. We're here. <laughs> Mini right. Monday. It's Mini Monday, I was going to say. Mini Monday. Uh, week our nickname is, for Tuesday. The week is off and rolling. And um, <laughs> archaeologists, I love it when this happens, uh, Trey, make a major biblical discovery and uh, just seems to back up the Bible all the time. It's amazing how that how that happens all yeah. the time. No, love these stories. Yeah. And uh, Billy, you've got a mafia affiliate. I mean, not sure where you, I, I'm not going to question where you found this story, but you found a mafia guy. Well, who, you know, uh, I'm Italian. So, you know. <laughs> but a great testimony there from a former mafia member. So looking forward to those stories as well. And on the main thing, the power of adoption, Kirk Cameron discusses something about his family that I, I don't think a lot of people are fully aware of. So that's coming up on the main thing. But first, we're going to take a look at the news in 90 seconds. It was announced yesterday that Dr. Fauci will be stepping down. Biden thanked him for his service, while others, including Senator Rand Paul, vowed that Fauci will still testify before Congress so that he can, quote, testify under oath regarding any discussions he participated in concerning the lab leak. A licensed Texas attorney and a federally appointed immigration magistrate was recently arrested in Kinney County, Texas for smuggling of a human and resisting arrest. This was according to Galveston County Constable Jimmy Fullen, who called the arrest there at the border, quote, a great job by the deputy and troopers who were on the scene. And Judge Bruce Reinhardt admitted yesterday that the FBI's raid on former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home was unprecedented. Inciting the intense public and historical interest, he rejected the DOJ's argument to keep the affidavit leading to the search under seal. So we will be seeing what's in that minus some redactions that they're going to go through and they're going to negotiate what is allowed to be in there and what isn't. But the judge said that the government has not yet shown that these administrative concerns that they had are sufficient to justify the sealing. So... Those are just some of the headlines happening today. You can read more over at CBNnews.com. Guys, a lot going on, but Fauci stepping down, big news, but also this seal. I mean, I think this is going to set the political world on fire here. We're seeing the battle lines have been drawn essentially on this story. And I think there's so many emotions and feelings and thoughts about how everything has been handled. And obviously looking at the midterms, there's speculation about what would have happened if Fauci stayed. Mm. You know, he's leaving. If Republicans win, is he going to be called? Obviously, probably not if he's not working for the government. So there's a lot there. Unfortunately, the reality is, is that all of these things uh, end up being boiled down to nothing more than uh, a tool for political theater, which is unfortunate because... Uh, then a lot of times we don't really actually get answers about uh, anything. Like you said, the battle lines have been drawn, and now this is just about numbers at this point, right? Because we're so close to the midterms. Uh, so, but it'll certainly be interesting to see if numbers shift and how they do based on Fauci stepping down and the the Mar-a-Lago raid. How all this plays in will be fascinating. 
All right, well, let's uh, let's take a look at this discovery, Trey. I mean, archaeologists have located really a major biblical discovery in Galilee. And, and again, as I said at the top, I love it when this happens. This is science. This is discovery. And it brings the Bible to life, often confirming some of the things we read about in the Bible. And so love to see this happening. Yeah, so a team of archaeologists has discovered an inscription that's near the Sea of Galilee in Galilee that points to the Apostle Peter uh, and his role as one of the leaders, of course, of the early church. Uh, so the team, which is uh, led by two professors, Mordecai Avium and Stephen Notley, they found this Greek, Greek inscription uh, on the floor during their excavations at the Church of the Apostles. Uh, so the place where they were uh, excavating is believed uh, to be in ancient uh, Bethsaida uh, in a basilica that was built on top of the home, what they believe to have been the home of the disciples Peter and Andrew. Uh, so one of the first inscriptions they found reads, Constantine, the servant of Christ. Uh, and also right by that includes a, a petition, they believe, for prayer uh, from Peter himself. Uh, and the tile uh, writing is signed, Chief and Commander of the Heavenly Apostles. And according to experts who've researched this, archaeologists and excavators, uh, that title was often used by Byzantine Christians specifically to refer to uh, Peter the disciple. Uh, so in a statement obtained by CBN News, uh, Notley, Notley said, uh, this discovery is our strongest indicator that Peter had a special association with the Basilica, and it was likely dedicated to him, since Byzantine Christian tradition routinely identified Peter's home in Bethsaida and not in Capernaum, uh, as is often thought today. It seems likely that the Basilica commemorates his house. And the discovery, too, tracks with Scripture, too. You know, in, in the Bible, according to uh, so many different uh, readings of Scripture, Bethsaida was described uh, as the hometown of Andrew, Peter, and Philip throughout the New Testament. The Gospels also, of course, record that that's where Jesus fed uh, the 5,000 or he healed the blind man, all of that uh, in Bethsaida. So, you know, all of this certainly tracks and, and would make sense, but certainly a really, really cool discovery. Yeah, so many times, especially secular culture, will present the Bible as kind of information that's over there, and it's kind of just what those Christians believe, but it's actual history. I think that's something that we have to remember is people are trying to basically tell you, ah, eh, well, don't believe certain parts of the Bible, that's just a story. We see that, no, this is history, this is what actually happened, and this should embolden and strengthen our faith when we see discoveries like this happening that confirm the disciples and confirm they were there and, and confirm some of these things that we read about in scripture. And it's just, I, you know, I love it. Well, yeah, I mean, it just keeps, like you were saying, confirming, improving the Bible. And I would love for somebody to collect all of these things and just present them because it becomes impossible to deny the truth when you're seeing again and again and again, these developments. And it's also really interesting to know that Israel being back on the map in the late 1940s, 1948, that that has enabled a lot of this research, a lot of this archaeology. For a long time, these digs were mm. not happening, and they have been ramping up. They're happening more and more, and that's why we're finding these things, because you actually have support there um, of the Israeli government and other institutions coming in there. So I, I'm excited to see what comes next. Yeah, and mm. I, I was in Israel probably, I don't know, 10 or 11 years ago now it was, and it was at a time when they were really ramping up the excavations underneath there. And I happened to get a tour underneath looking really far down. And they wanted to go down 
you know, because you dig under there and you see kind of this ancient residences and and different things that have been kind of built on top on since. And you go under there. It's just amazing to see that. But, you know, what are they doing? Just like you said, Billy, they're trying to prove this is from Solomon's era, you know, and they, it goes really far back. And that's why they want to go back there to confirm that. But then for us as Christians, it's just crazy to see you, know, you read about Solomon rebuilding the temple and, and then you find stuff there proving he was there. It's incredible. It's incredible. Amazing place. You know, and before I went to, I eventually transferred to a Christian university. I was at Liberty, but before I went to a community college, a, a public school, and uh, in one of my literature classes, we were studying the Old Testament. Uh, and one of the students had an issue with us studying scripture because it was in a public uh, institution. Mm-hmm. And they said that we shouldn't be doing that. And the professor, who's not a believer, uh, to my understanding, uh, she actually responded to him in class and said, well, this it's not just a religious text, particularly the Old Testament. She said, this is a history of the Jewish people. Uh, This is the history of Israel. Uh, And so much of it has been confirmed throughout time uh, with these kind of digs, uh, both Old Testament and New Testament things that have been kind of confirmed. Uh, So I think it's important to realize that, that these are not just a religious, it, it, uh, primarily it is a religious text, but it's not just religious. It's also a historical document of people that really lived and existed, of course. So I think it's it's cool whenever we can see any of these stories, like you said, Dan, early on, kind of coming to life mm-hmm. uh, in the 21st century. I mean, and goodness, the specifics on lineages and you know family lines that are in the Bible have got to outdo, I think, anything else that has been written <laughs> in history. Yeah. Of course, when they find you know secular things, and then that's like rock solid, they don't question that. But here you have the Bible that has all this detailed information, so much of it coming coming to life through these discoveries. So great story there. Aside from discovering these um, artifacts, one of the other great things that we see often are these testimonies. And Billy, you had one of the more unusual testimonies in a conversation recently. Yeah, this, this story is crazy. His name is Robert Borelli, and he's an ex-mafia associate. And so he was a mafia member, um, apparently a rising star decades ago in New York City Gambino crime family. Family, which is a very well-known crime family in New York City. Um, but but I want to start with his conversion because this is a guy who spent his entire life in and out of prison, selling drugs, very chaotic life. He ends up in Rikers Island at a breaking point, really at rock bottom. And he, he had this quote. He said, I knew about God but didn't know God. I gave God an ultimatum, which kind of made me laugh and it made him laugh too while he was Telling, you know, <laughs> what nerve do we have to give <laughs> right. an ultimatum? Uh, but he said, he said, I said to God, you better have someone kill me or change me. And so he broke in his jail cell. And what ended up happening was God changed him. He was crying like a baby. His heart was broken. He accepted Christ and his entire life changed. He went from a mobster committing crimes, selling drugs, again, life of crime. He was in his 40s by the time he broke down to somebody who's been sharing his testimony all over the country about how he found Christ. And the story, the backstory is incredibly crazy. We've got it at the Prodigal Stories podcast. You can hear him talk about it. We also have um, a story on Faithwire. But um, he just talked about how he ended up in this lifestyle. He was admiring people in the mob, seeing who they were as a kid. They seemed to have it all And so he aspired to that. That's how he got into it, Uh, but really ended up on a dangerous path. He witnessed or knew about murders. The cops were after him for all sorts of different things. So if a guy like that can experience that sort of life change, 
man, anybody can. And he had a line that he just left us with at the end that I love. He said, it's never too late for a new beginning. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Testimonies are just always so wonderful to hear, especially when they're from unlikely sources, because I think sometimes we can get caught up in, oh, I hope I say all the right things. I hope that I can convince this person in this argument or whatever the case may be, when really it's just God who opens eyes and can change even the hardest of hearts. And I mean, we saw this guy as we were watching a YouTuber who's famous talking about his conversion to Christ and how he had hit the top of success here in his early 20s, all this money, all this fame, and then it hit him. He was still completely empty inside, didn't fill him at all. You see these situations, you see these mobsters and crazy things like that, where it seems like they've just are completely lost, no chance of redemption. And that's when God steps in and does what no one thinks can happen. Yeah. And I think one of the coolest parts of his story, and you can hear this on the Prodigal Stories podcast, if you listen to the whole interview, uh, is when he was talking about having to go into the witness protection program and he was given a new identity. And he said, I was given a new identity in the natural world, uh, but Christ gave me a new identity in the spiritual world. And I thought, what a cool way, particularly of people who are not familiar with Christian language, uh, of helping the secular world understand what that transformation looks like. Cause he said, when I was given a new identity in the natural world uh, by the government, he said, I, I no longer had a criminal record. Uh, all of that was wiped clean. I was a new person. Uh, so it's really cool to see that he's taken these missteps in his life, this tragedy. Uh, and because of the Holy spirit, he's, he's been transformed in his thinking and can use it and redeem it to bring other people to Christ. Great stuff. Great way. stuff there. Thanks for that one, guys. All right, that leads us into our main thing today, and we're talking about the power of adoption. Kirk Cameron stopped by to discuss something about his family that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. Not just one adoption, there's there's several of them going on in the uh, Cameron household. So uh, Billy Hallowell has today's main thing. On the heels of the U.S. Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade and returning abortion law to the states, there is a new film coming out called Life Mark. Life Mark is all about adoption. It's a powerful film that shows the importance of adoption, and it's brought to us by actor Kirk Cameron and the Kendrick Brothers. Now, we sat down with Kirk Cameron, who stars in the film and executive produces it, to better understand the impact of the film and his personal connection to it. Let's hear what Kirk had to say. So this is a movie that is coming out at an unbelievably providential moment in history. I mean, who would have thought that Roe v. Wade would be gone? Like, think, let's say that again. Roe v. Wade is gone. Holy Crazy. smokes. And now <laughs> here's a movie that's coming on the heels of that Supreme Court decision that celebrates the value of life in the womb and the beauty of adoption. Now, this is especially um, uh, special to me, and I'm passionate about this because I have four adopted children. My wife, Chelsea, and I, uh, we met and got married on the set of Growing Pains. We started this great big family by adopting our kids. Why did we do that? Well, my wife is herself an adopted child. So think about this. My wife was one doctor appointment away from not existing, and our four children 
were also this close to not existing. And if my wife hadn't been born, either would our two natural born children. So all six of our kids and my wife wouldn't be here if people didn't value their life while they were in the womb so that they could grow into these beautiful, amazing people that they are. And the movie Life Mark um, follows along on this journey of an 18 year old girl who changes her mind about abortion at the last second, like on the procedural table, she gives birth to her child in secret, doesn't tell her parents and places him up for adoption. 19 years later, he contacts her and says that he wants to meet her. She thinks he probably hates her guts for abandoning him. And he wants to meet her to say, thank you for my amazing life and for my amazing family. And it's just a story that is full of heart and humor and action and adventure. And you see the impact that one life can have on so many. You know, a lot of Christians adopt, you know, Christian adoption rate is higher than the, the general public, um, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And most Christians are not adopting. So, you know, what's your hope for the film when it comes to that particular facet of the life discussion? Of course, we are the ones who are adopting the most kids. That's true religion is we take care of widows and orphans during their time of need. And also adoption resonates within our heart because if we're children of God, uh, that's not by blood, that's by choice through adoption. Wow, how, how crazy is that? I mean, think about the fact that Jesus himself was the result of an unplanned pregnancy from a human perspective. Mary didn't know what was going on. Joseph is thinking, oh my goodness, look, I thought I knew Mary, but apparently she's got uh, some other things going on uh, in the dark and I'm gonna divorce her. Turns out this is the one who was promised who would purchase salvation for the world. And we get a chance to somehow understand a bit of that when we practice true religion, which is choosing to bring children into our family um, and, and making them our sons and daughters. And they have full inheritance rights. They are, they are full-fledged family members and we love them with all of our heart. And, and, and that's what God does with us. So I think people are going to see this. And whether you've been touched by abortion as a man, maybe you funded an abortion for your girlfriend back in the day, or, or maybe you had an abortion, or maybe you've been adopted, or maybe you placed a child for adoption, or maybe you know somebody who's dealing with these things, one of your, your kids, um, a friend. This is a movie that is going to touch your heart in so many different ways. It's a three or four Kleenex movie. Um, it's, I mean, that's not a spoiler alert. It's just a little bit of a warning. You are going to be uh, moved very deeply and you're going to be inspired to action. Uh, I, I think this is uh, uh, one of those Kairos moments in the, 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 in the history of the family of faith here in America, particularly, where we have an opportunity to uh, do like God and embrace the subject of adoption because I think it is the answer to the horrors of abortion. Lifemark hits theaters September 9th across the country. For more information on the film or to find showtimes, head over to lifemarkmovie.com. 
All right, Billy, thanks for that conversation. Always, always good to have Kirk stop by for a chat, right? It is. Yeah, I love, I mean, I always take something away from him. He's very insightful and always gives a good, solid scriptural word. Yeah, he's amazing. Does. He does. And if you ever get a chance to see him on one of his tour stops, I, I strongly recommend it. He, he has a lot of great things to say. Always something interesting, new, historical, a lot of things tied together. And of course, faith based as well. So uh, couldn't recommend that more. But thanks for that conversation. That leaves us with time for one last thing, guys. And Trey, we're gonna we're gonna head over to Second Timothy. Yeah. So Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. And before I read the passage, I want to say it's easy to kind of abstract the word uh, and to to compartmentalize scripture. I know that's a temptation for me sometimes. But the mm-hmm. reality is is that while it doesn't speak to every single issue specifically, it does speak to every issue principally. Uh, so it's important, I think, to let uh, let scripture inform our view of things. So the passage, again, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be, may be complete, equipped for every good work. I think that's just important mm-hmm. to keep in mind when the secular world is trying to speak uh, lies, really, into every aspect of life. Agreed. And also even with Christians too, like I've seen a tendency sometimes to dismiss the Old Testament. And I think we've talked about it on this on this podcast before. You know, you've got these people that focus just on the red letters. Of course, Jesus's words very important, but all scripture is profitable. And I think you mentioned it the other day on the podcast, Trey, that when Jesus was talking, the Old Testament was all they referred to. There was no New Testament yeah. yet. That's obviously put together after uh, Jesus came. So it's all profitable for us. It's part of one big story arc. And be careful not to dismiss a part as, oh, well, that's just a story. And that's just because if you do that in one part, you open yourself up to the possibility, well, why not do it for this part? If this part's just a story and it's not true, well, then this part isn't either. So all scripture is profitable. And uh, I think we have to, we'd be wise as Christians to take that to heart. Well, and it's like, it's like picking it up in chapter 14, right? Like picking up a book and not reading the first 13 chapters and (laughs) you're going to understand what's going on. You're really not. And I mean, and sadly today you see people doing that though. And so it's worth mentioning and pointing it out, you know, because like you said, in a culture that is pushing lies, they're, they're pushing at Christianity. It now is a time that we've got to be diving into our Bibles. So, all right, that is all the time we have for today's episode. As always, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. And uh, Lord willing, and that creek don't rise up on us, we will be back here tomorrow. God bless. We'll see you then.